as we physically come back into this room from dropping kids off and topping our coffee off, I want us to bring our spirits, I want us to bring our minds to this place. I want us to focus our awareness, our attention on the presence of the Holy Spirit who is here so that we are able to receive what God has for us uh, as individuals and as a group and then to respond to that. We're not here merely, as Alex said so eloquently earlier, we're not here merely as consumers. It's part of it. We need it. But we're also here to give away, to go from this place and share. And that takes effort. That takes intentionality. That takes um, purposing to focus our attention, especially in this distracted day and age. So I'm going to read through just a a few phrases that I think will help us bring our attention here, that will help us in that process of focusing ourselves here. So if you need to close your eyes, you can close your eyes, that's fine. Let's all just take a deep breath. We are all on a journey. We are on a journey to find our place. We are on a journey to find our people. And we are on a journey to find our purpose. Holy Spirit, we bring ourselves before you individually and collectively that you would show us where this journey leads. You would show us our place, our people, and our purpose. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome everybody again. Like I said, my name is John Ray. I'm one of the teaching team here at Grace Church. We're glad if you're watching on Facebook Live or listening on podcast. I know we have people who listen in from different parts of the country. We're really glad you're here with us this morning listening along. You know, I just couldn't wait. As soon as it clicked over onto my 18th birthday, I shot out of my house like a shell out of a cannon. Now, it it wasn't because my home life was bad. It wasn't bad at all. I grew up and lived all my life in the same house I was brought home from the hospital to. My mom cooked, cleaned, let me have free reign pretty much, got to do what I wanted to do. It was conveniently located, loved the town where I grew up. Like, like it wasn't that my home was bad. It's just I was just longing for that freedom. I was just ready to go. Anybody else like that? 
Like, man, as soon as you could, you were gone. And I mean, this was the norm for my peers as well. Most of the people that I went to school with, as soon as we graduated from high school, bam, it was out, gone. Off to college, off to get a job, off to adventure. And I never moved back home, except for short intervals in between jobs. Once I left, days after my 18th birthday, I never lived at home again. I was gone. Now, that may not sound exceptional in our society. It may not sound exceptional in our day and age. But historically, that's an anomaly. Historically, for a young person to leave home right away and move away without something intentional in doing that, without something calling them or forcing them even to do that, historically, families have stayed together. Generation to generation, sharing the same home, the same vocation, the same house. And historically that's true, but specifically for the people that we're going to look at in our text this morning, that was absolutely true. That for you to leave of your own volition, not being forced by war or famine or or being taken slave or doing some horrible offense against the norms of the society and being expelled, for, for a person to voluntarily pick up and leave was unheard of. It just didn't happen. Yet, that's what we're going to see happen this morning. So pray with me, if you would, as we get into our text. God, we're here for you. We've gotten up and gotten dressed and brushed our teeth, jumped in cars and showed up here for you. That we'd be, we would be reminded of who we are in you. We would be reminded who you are. That we would be filled up so that we can go out and give. So God, right now, as we read your word, would you renew in us those things and then expand them beyond? All for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to look at a text that has been well-trod to say the least. It's one of these texts that if you even have a passing familiarity with the Bible, but especially if you've ever been involved in any kind of mission work, you're going to be immediately familiar with. And in this emphasis that we have of encountering God's covenant with us, with his people, we're going to see the covenant that God establishes with Abram today. It's a promise of place. It's a promise of people and a promise of purpose, not just for Abram, but something that extends to us today. There are a few passages of Scripture that have a more theological, that have more theological heft than this one. And our imagination around this passage shapes so much of what we think, how we act, and where we end up. Abraham's, or Abram's here 
Abram's response to God is an example for all of us to follow, and understanding the purpose of God's covenant is essential if we are likewise to respond in faith. So we're reading from Genesis 12, starting with verse 1, if you want to follow along in your Bibles. Now the Lord said to Abram, go out from your country, your relatives, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Then I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will exemplify divine blessing. I will bless those who bless you, but the one who treats you lightly I must curse, and all the families of the earth will bless one another by your name. So Abram left, just as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now let's pause here for a moment. This covenant, we, it's essential we see, is a, is a tripartite covenant, three parts. It talks about land or place, it talks about people, and it talks about purpose. But before we get that, let's, let's consider who is being called out here. Abraham and his wife Sarai are childless. This is the first time we've come across in our whole biblical narrative up to this point a woman who was unable to conceive. Up to this point, it's been be fruitful and multiply and in lots of genealogies and lots of so-and-so begat so-and-so and how they flourished and filled the earth. And then all of a sudden, whoa, wait, we have a, a childless woman here. Someone who doesn't exemplify that. As a matter of fact, who is counter to that. And we have this man, Abram, who's just introduced a few chapters before in a genealogy. Nothing specific said about him. He's just a name on a list, and then he's brought out, but we're told he's 75 years old. So the odds or the chances of these people being fruitful in this are pretty slim. These are people who otherwise would have been diminished in their place, who would have been the object of, at best, sympathy, but more likely than not would have been treated with disdain and question, what did they do wrong? Who did they offend? Why has this happened? What's wrong with them? Yet they're the ones who are chosen. And again, I think it's it's hard to overemphasize how absolutely crazy this is for someone to voluntarily leave their family group, leave their place in the world. That just didn't happen. You didn't go on vacation back here. You moved when there was drought. You moved when the herds needed more grass. You moved when there was war. You moved when there was famine. You moved when there was some kind of terrible conflict within the family that tore it apart and you were forced to move apart. Nobody just picked up and left. Nobody just wandered off. That didn't happen in this context. And yet, here's Abram who receives this call to follow with this promise. And he goes. He leaves. And this promise... What was so compelling about this promise? Was it, was it the encounter that he had with God? Or was it 
the imagination formed around what God was saying that would happen that did it. We don't, we don't really know. We're not able to tell what was it that really motivated Abraham to go. But these three things that God promises, these three areas, the promise of a place, the promise of a people, and the promise of a purpose, these are things that all of us wrestle with. These, these are things that are essential to all of our well-being. Every one of us needs to answer in some way, shape, or form these questions that we have. Where's my place? Who are my people? What is my purpose? There can be unifying ways we answer these, and there can also be incredibly divisive ways we answer these. There can be life-giving ways we answer these questions, and there can be toxic, death-dealing ways we respond. But we're all answering the questions. There is no avoiding them. Let's look at the place. So this place, and again, historically the way that this has been answered, when when he talks about the land, as we see it time and time again, says God says, I'll give you this land, I'll give you this land, I'll give you this land. We can have our imaginations as Christians stuck in the geography of the Old Testament. When I was a kid and I'd get bored in church, when some guy like me was up there going on and on and on, right? Oftentimes I'd grab the Bible and turn to the back, turn to the maps. Anybody else do that, right? You flip to the maps and they're nice and colorful and they're all laid out there and, and you kind of put your head in that space and you're like, oh, that's cool. Look at this place and where's that now and how do we get there? And you start to just unintentionally start to think, okay, well, that's what they're talking about here is specific piece of real estate. And for a time it was. For a time with the markers that are given there, This was referring to specific real estate. However, we have to change our geography from Old Testament to New Testament. Because when Jesus comes, he establishes something, he establishes place far beyond this boundary to this boundary. And instead, he makes that the whole deal. When Jesus comes and he starts fulfilling this promise of place, this promise that he made to Abram to give him a place, to give him the land, it doesn't stop with a nation's borders. It doesn't stop with a specific country's boundary. It extends now to cover the whole earth. We understand that the place that God is promising to Abram ultimately becomes all of creation when it is extended through the promise and the call of Jesus Christ. Now, why is this important? Well, because right now we live in a war, in a world full of war and conflict over specific real estate. And there are people that are using Old Testament geography to rationalize that, even promote it. And we see the destructions that that is being caused, that that is causing. And we have to have our imagination transformed by understanding how Jesus affects this sense of place. And we have to replace our Old Testament geography with New Testament geography. We see this ultimately as we studied the summer in Revelation. 
the new city of Jerusalem coming down, reclaiming the entire earth, rebuilding, restoring all of creation. Listen, this doesn't stop. This sense of place for the Christian, this sense of place with the covenant doesn't stop at a border checkpoint. It extends everywhere. Likewise, with people. We can start to think that, hey, God's chosen people refers to an ethnicity or a culture. But we also understand that as Jesus comes, as Jesus proclaims the kingdom of God, as Jesus exhibits that through a specific culture, yes, it extends to all cultures. There is no culture that is left out. There is no race that is left out. There is no ethnicity that is left out. That the covenant that God establishes with Abram extends to all people, all places, everywhere. No one is left out. Talk about an antidote to racism, nationalism, the wars that plague our planet. Now listen, I understand. I understand the realities of the world we live in. Believe me, I've crossed borders so many times, I've had to get extra pages put in my passport. But we can't stop there. We can't just submit to that. We have to constantly be witnessing, imagining, and working towards that idea that the reign of God is universal over all mankind, all nations, all places, all people. That the promise of this covenant is that all of those things that divide us will be overcome by what unites us. And what unites us is this promise that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Now that leads us to the third thing, right? The purpose. God uses this, this blessing verbiage, which is sometimes kind of hard, right? Oh, bless your heart. Well, I pray you have a blessed day. I mean, it, it's a little bit cliche, it's a little bit overwrought sometimes when we talk about blessings like that. Like, we really don't understand what that means sometimes. But, but make no mistake, the blessing here that God gives promises to Abram that will be expressed through him, that is fulfilled through Jesus, that is given to us as the church, is that the things we just talked about, having a place, having a people, will be extended to everyone. And that forms our purpose. Our purpose, quite simply, is to take what we have been given and give it away to others, to share it. We live in a society that is so sick with various ills and addictions and oftentimes, it boils down to this sense of purposelessness in a, purpose, in a person's life. They don't know why they're here. They don't know what they're about. They don't know what they're for. They don't, does it mean anything? Why, why does it matter that I get up? Why does it matter that I'm here? Well, it matters 
Because you are called, we are all called into this purpose of being these ambassadors for Christ. Reconciling the world to the truth that is promised and expressed in this covenant. Listen, there is no greater purpose that any of us could have than to richly receive the blessing of the covenant and then turn around and generously share that with the rest of the world. There is simply no greater purpose than that, than to follow the Lord Jesus and in ways emulate His life, death, and resurrection by cultivating that relationship, that life-giving, sustaining relationship with the Father, and then in turn walking in that identity, that fullness that brings healing, that brings reconciliation, that brings unity with that. Well, let's go on. There's, there's some more to the text. Let's see what Abram does. And it says, so Abraham took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they left for the land of Canaan. Now remember this, this pre-email, right? This is even pre-dial-up. I mean, when you left, that was probably the last time you were going to see the family. There was, there was no going home for Christmas. No Christmas yet, right? They entered the land of Canaan. Abram, Abram traveled through the land as far as the oak tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So Abram built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Then he moved from there to the hill country east of Bethel, pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and worshiped the Lord. Abraham continually journeyed by stages down to the Negev. One of the uh, interesting things about covenants as we talk about this these few weeks is that it is this idea of God binding himself. God promising by God's self. Like, right, you know, we, 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 try to, we try to pump up the value of our promises. I swear to God I'll do this. How does God swear? I swear to myself that I'll do this. I mean, it's literally what he's doing. He's using his own name, his own character to establish this with that. And he promises that in a way that we start to live our lives on the trust, on the faith that those things are true. Now here's the thing, as quick as I was to get out of my house when I was 18, as quick as I was to go have my freedom in my own way, most of the time right now, y'all, I don't want to go. I'm old. I like my house. I like my fireplace. I like my little route on the bike trail that I ride my bike. I actually like y'all quite a bit. I like being here on Sunday mornings. I like singing with y'all. I like praying with y'all. I like doing life with y'all. Yeah, it's fun to travel, but I don't want to pick up and leave. I'm, I'm done with that. If, if you told me right now, hey, you can stay in your house 
till the day you die and you'll be okay, where do I sign up? I'm ready to do it. But in some ways, we don't get that choice. Because all of us are on a journey. See, with this covenant comes a call. With this covenant comes a call. Pack up, you and your family, get ready to follow. God's call to Abram prefigures Jesus' call to each of us individually and as a church. Take up your cross, come and follow me. So we're called into this journey, whether we're ready or not, whether we're like 18-year-old John Ray that's like, yes, let's go, baby. Or whether it's like John Ray right now, like, oh, man, my back, hold on. (laughs) We're all called on this journey. We don't have a choice with it. If we're going to experience the covenant, if we're going to experience place as God is promising, a people as God is promising, and a purpose as God is promising. We have to, like Abraham and Sarah, say yes, Lord, and then pack up and go. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. As we transition into this time of communion and offering, reflection, and worship. Our communion table is open to everyone who is seeking. The table is served by and for the Lord Jesus. Why do we do communion? Well, even though we are receiving this nourishment We are also proclaiming. We are proclaiming the mystery of Christ come, Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, and Christ coming again. We we approach this table by faith. We come and we receive it by faith. And in our faith, we are proclaiming the mystery of Christ Why do we take an offering during this time? Well, we're recognizing that we're all connected. That none of us is without need. And none of us is without something to share. We're also recognizing that as we do this, as we share our offering, that the blessing that we have is not just for us. That it is given to us so that we can share with each other. Why do we take this time to reflect? We take it because it is the Spirit who is teaching us. I may have the microphone on today, but it is the Holy Spirit who is teaching us. And you need to discern that. You need to take the time to discern through the Holy Spirit what is being taught, what is of value today. Not just take it because I've got the microphone. And why do we worship? Because we have been given so much, we need to return that to God. And we need to confess with our mouths, no matter whether we feel it or not, we need to confess with our song what is true about God, what is true about ourselves, 
and what is true about the world. So thank you for being here this morning. It's a privilege for me to stand here and represent the teaching team, represent all of us here. Thank you for being here.